touchdown, Wisconsin. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rhino Elbert Show, brought to you by Wisconsin Sports Heroics. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Twitter, at WiscoSports1, for all of your up-to-date analysis, breaking news, and anything and everything related to Wisconsin sports. I am your host, Rhino Elberts. Welcome back to another show. Thank you for listening. And it is a huge week. It's a big week, guys. We've been waiting for this moment for a year Ever since the beatdown that was given to us at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers in last year's NFC Championship game, we have finally made our way back to the playoffs. A divisional round matchup against the Los Angeles Rams of Southern California, of the United States, of planet Earth. And this is a real juggernaut matchup. This is a real barn burner that we're going to have on Saturday. I mean, this is the irresistible force paradox. What happens when you have an unstoppable force versus an immovable object? That's what you're going to get in the Packers' number one offense versus the Rams' number one defense. And this game is full of matchups. I mean, I cannot remember the last time there was a playoff game that offered us the kind of talented matchups that you're going to see in this game. You've got first-team All-Pro Jalen Ramsey, cornerback for the Los Angeles Rams versus first-team All-Pro Devontae Adams. Arguably the best wide receiver cornerback matchup you could possibly see this year. On top of that, you have first-team All-Pro Corey Lindsley versus first-team All-Pro Aaron Donald. Arguably the best center in all of football, and there is no arguing that Aaron Donald is the best defensive lineman in the league. There's no arguing that. He has been for about six years now. The underrated matchup of this particular game, new head coach Matt LaFleur and seasoned head coach Sean McVay. Sean McVay really turned the culture around in Los Angeles, turned them into a winning team, turned them into a very competitive team. They've made it to a Super Bowl. They've been here before. Matt LaFleur in his second year with the Green Bay Packers, another 13-3 season, number one overall seed, home field advantage, first round bye. The matchups in this game are uncanny. It's going to be a very, very entertaining game come 3.30 Saturday afternoon. Let's dive into that right off the bat. We're not even going to break this, this show down into segments. We're going to talk nonstop Packers football versus the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to start by talking about this Los Angeles Rams defense, and there really isn't much that can be said about this defensive unit that hasn't been said all season long. I mean, they're number one in the NFL in yards allowed, points allowed, passing touchdowns allowed, first downs allowed. They check all of the boxes at just about every single position on defense. They have best defensive line in all of football and a secondary that is just as effective and just as scary. Uh, we spoke about that matchup, Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. In my eyes, I think the most important matchup of this game is going to come down to Corey Lindsley versus Aaron Donald. Now, obviously, there's a question mark behind Aaron Donald. What kind of what kind of Aaron Donald, are we going to see on the field with that rib injury? I don't think it's going to be a problem. I mean, the guy is a freak of nature. I don't. I, I can't imagine this rib injury really slowing him down that much. I've I've always been a proponent of if you're on the field, you're healthy enough to play. Obviously, there have been instances where there is a, a player that plays with a significant injury and it slows him down. I don't think Aaron Donald is that kind of player. 
I think he's going to come onto the field Saturday with a full tank and play at 100%, regardless of how his ribs play, ribs feel. Excuse me. So that Lindsley versus Aaron Donald matchup is the most important of the game in terms of how successful Aaron Rodgers is going to be. We've seen Rodgers pick apart secondaries this year. He had the second highest quarterback rating of all time. He had arguably his best season of all time. We've seen him pick apart good secondaries when he's given the appropriate amount of time to throw the ball. So that is why the Aaron Donald-Corey Lindsley matchup is is the key matchup to this game, the most important matchup to this game. And I, I spoke about the Jalen Ramsey-Devontae Adams matchup as a great matchup, and it is. It's an all-pro corner versus an all-pro wide receiver. Best in the league at each of their position. It's an entertaining matchup. It's a great matchup to watch. However, in terms of the outcome of this game, I do not feel the outcome of that matchup will impact the game nearly as much as the Donald-Lindsley matchup will. And the reason why I say that is because even if Jalen Ramsey shuts Devontae Adams completely down, which I don't see happening, but if he is shut completely down, the Packers still have a lot of weapons on offense to go to. You've got Robert Tanyan, Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. There's a lot of matchups that Aaron Rodgers can utilize on offense in order to be successful in this game. Entertaining matchup, not as impactful of a matchup. Now, in terms of what this Rams defense is is actually capable of against quality offensive opponents, there were four games this year that the Rams played against opponents that finished in the top 10 in scoring, offensive scoring. Um, they went two and two of those games. The one team that stands out in those four matchups, the one team that is most comparable to the Green Bay Packers is the Buffalo Bills. Now, I know that the Seahawks have a phenomenal offense. They were They were among the top 10 in scoring as well. But they do not compare to the Packers the way the Bills compare to the Packers. The Seahawks have a terrible offensive line, a very mediocre run game. They rely heavily off of uh, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. Um, their their tight ends are are maybe above average. So I, I would not compare the Seahawks offense to the Packers offense the way I would the Bills offense. The Bills have a very balanced attack. They have a decent running game. They have multiple weapons. Um, downfield. Josh Allen had a phenomenal year at quarterback. So in that particular game, the Bills were able to put up a lot of a lot of offense against this Rams defense. I believe Jared Allen or Josh Allen had 311 yards passing, four touchdowns. He did have the one interception, but he had a, a great passer rating. Now, on the opposite side of that spectrum, the Packers played three games against defenses that were in the top 10 in, in points allowed per game. They went one and two in those games, and one of those games was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they were just absolutely boat raced. It was it was over, I wouldn't say from the start, but about halfway, 10 minutes into that first quarter, you kind of had a feeling that the Packers really weren't there that day. What kind of matchup are you going to see on the field Saturday? Is it going to be a Bucks versus Packers matchup, or is it going to be a Rams versus Bills matchup? I think the Packers match up much better against the Rams than the Seahawks did. I mean, the, the Rams really shut the Seahawks down in all aspects of their offense. Russell Wilson was on the run almost every snap. He only completed 11 passes. Uh, I believe he had less than 200 yards passing. He had the pick six there uh, on the sideline. But I believe that this Packers team matches up much better against this Rams team. There's a much better offensive line on the field, a lot more weapons to go around. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting matchup to say the least, but I am I am very 
happy that we get to have this kind of opportunity because I believe if the Packers beat this Rams team, I don't think there's a team that can stand in their way that I would be more afraid of. Even the Chiefs or the Bills going into a Super Bowl. If the Packers can put up points, if the Packers can move the ball against this Rams defense, no one is stopping them. And that's that's the truth. If you beat the number one defense successfully, who's going to stop you? It's all going to come down to the Packers defense. And I don't see this Rams team having a weapon that the Packers can't stop. I mean, yes, you did have the the rookie Akers with a great game against the Seahawks. He had 173 yards, I believe it was, from scrimmage. Uh, 44 some odd, some odd yards receiving and another buck 30 on the ground. Uh, the way that this run defense has played over the last few weeks, I don't see that being a concern. And the six losses that the Rams have had this year, Jared Goff has played absolutely horrible under center. I believe he's had more interceptions than touchdown passes, a couple fumble losses in there as well. He only had the one game of a passer rating over 100. That was the one against the Bills. It was a shootout. I believe the final score was 35-33, to 33, something along those lines. So uh, if you disrupt Goff, if you force him to turn a turnover, commit a turnover, excuse me, um, I, I don't believe he's going to have a good day in Green Bay as well. And one thing we're forgetting here, the Rams are not a cold-weather team, and they have not played any cold-weather games. That game uh, against the Bills up in Buffalo was not cold by any stretch of the imagination. I believe it was in September, October. So what is this weather going to do? I believe the temperatures are forecasted to be below freezing come game time. I, I think a high of around 28, 27. Now, obviously, that's not cold to anybody in Wisconsin, uh, but a, a team that that calls Southern California home, that, that could be devastatingly cold. Now, in terms of what this Packers offense is capable of, I'm not going to touch on this too much. We already know how good this offense is. One of the best that we've seen since 2011. Um, over the last five games, they're averaging 32 points per game. Uh, they were number one in the league in scoring. They were top five in both rushing and passing. It's it's going to it's going to come down to obviously Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, you can't make a more obvious statement than saying, "Yeah, the game comes down to your MVP quarterback." But it's also going to come down to if he's allowed to operate successfully. What is he going to operate with? And I believe the X factor in this game, it's not going to be Aaron Jones. It's not going to be Jamal Williams. I believe the X factor in this game is going to be A.J. Dillon, the rookie running back. Uh, I I see A.J. Dillon having a great game as far as effectiveness is concerned. I'm not saying he's going to break off for 125 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But in these short yardage situations where you you need to run the ball, you don't want to risk throwing the ball in a third and one, fourth and one, something along those lines, he's got to be your guy. You've got a rhinoceros in the backfield with legs the size of tree trunks. He's got to get in there and he's got to get first downs. He's got to average four to five yards per carry. Let him break through that defensive line. Let him wear down those interior defensive linemen. And I think this offense can be very successful against this Rams defense. So my my X factor in this game is going to come down to A.J. Dillon. If he's used, of course. I, You know, he had the great game against the Titans, and then a week later, I, I, I can't even remember a touch that he had a week later against the Bears. I think he may have touched the ball one or two times. So I, I would like to see him used, and I would like to see him used effectively. This this game plan that, that Matt LaFleur is obviously cooking up this week is – going to be the defining moment of his career. Um, last year against the the 49ers, I don't believe his game plan was what it should have been. He made great adjustments in the second half, but at the same time, what kind of 
defensive scheme were the Niners playing? Were they playing conservative? Were they playing off the ball? Um, because the, the Packers did have a pretty successful second half against the Niners last year, but by then it was too late anyways. The biggest thing about this game, to me, is legacies. I, I always love talking legacy. I always love talking history. I always love talking um, careers. There's a lot of legacy that's on the line with this particular game. If the Packers go out there and lay an egg and lose after having the number one offense, after having an MVP year in Aaron Rodgers, after a second straight 13-3 and season for Matt LaFleur, if the Packers go out there and lay an egg and lose this game, a lot of legacies are going to be tarnished. Matt LaFleur's inability to play quality opponents is going to be the looming narrative with him. Aaron Rodgers choking, which I can't stand hearing, but obviously that'll be the looming narrative with him. This team's inability to play well against quality opponents, that'll be the looming narrative for them as well. If Aaron Rodgers goes out there and performs at the same level he has all season long, his legacy will continue to skyrocket. If Matt LaFleur wins this game and has a great offensive game plan and is able to put points up against the board and is able to hold Aaron Donald to, I don't want to say ineffective because it's almost impossible to make him ineffective, but less than effective. Is that even a phrase that I can use? If he can take away the Rams' best defensive pieces with his offensive game plan, that will pull vault him into the top five coaches in the in the National Football League conversation. It's weird how one game can really make the pendulum swing the way that it it has in my my examples here. But that's that's the truth in the NFL. I mean, no sport in America has more discussion than the NFL does, and no sports discussions can be affected by one outcome more than the NFL does. It was it was already a page-turner to talk about Aaron Rodgers getting home field advantage for the first time since 2011. And the moment that he did that, one of the first things that I saw online was him losing that first home game to the Giants after the bye week. That That is, that is a narrative that is set by one single outcome. Now... Does that mean that Aaron Rodgers can't win at home? No, he's won playoff games at home. Does that mean he can't win in big situations? No, he's got a Super Bowl victory. But this league is not a what-have-you-done-for-me league. It is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Last time he got the number one seed, and I know it's the only time, but the narrative will say last time he got the number one seed, he lost his first home game. So legacies can be made or broken off of games like this. Obviously, I would like to see the Packers win. I'm a Packers fan. This is a Wisconsin podcast. But it'll be interesting interesting to see what kind of narrative you hear come Monday, whether it's a victory or a, a loss. Something will be twisted. Something will be spun and exaggerated more than it really should be. Is Matt LaFleur a top five coach? I think he's knocking on the door. Would a loss to the Rams lower him as a top five coach candidate? No, because he's only in his second year as a head coach. 
But what will that narrative be if he loses his game? Can't win the big moment. Can't game plan against elite defenses. He's already had a problem with uh, making adjustments at halftime. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers a Hall of Fame quarterback? Absolutely. Is he an all-time great? Absolutely. But if he loses this game, it'll be a black eye on his career. Moving forward, um, I'm going to give my prediction for this game quickly, actually. I believe you are going to see a 27-16 to victory in the Green Bay Packers. I think that Aaron Rodgers gets enough done in order to get them a lead late. I believe it'll be a very close game in the first half. And I believe the Packers will do what needs to be done in order to pull away in the second half of this game. But my prediction is 27-16, Packers over the Rams. So moving on to a, a conversation that's a little off topic, but still football related. Over the, over the weekend, I saw a post from uh, the Dan Patrick show, Andrew Perloff. Uh, otherwise known as McLovin, and he had posted a picture of avocado toast. And the caption said something along the lines of, I couldn't think of a better game day snack or something along those lines. And I, I stared at this picture and just thought, how awful of a game day snack could you possibly have picked? Like, what, what, Triscuit crackers and orange juice sound better than avocado toast for a game day snack. So it, it prompted a conversation with uh, my girlfriend and a, a couple other buddies who are huge sports fans of what not only is an appropriate game day snack, but what are the goats? What are the greatest game day snacks of all time? Now, I don't watch every single game at home. I do prefer watching uh, games out in public. I, I'm a huge fan of the dive bar. I'm a huge fan of the sports bar. Uh, being in, in groups of people and hearing, you know, loud cheers and having a couple drinks, getting some bar food. Now, obviously, with, with uh, the way 2020 went, that was something that didn't happen nearly as often. But when I am home, my personal favorites for game day snacks, for uh, whether it be the finger foods or whether it be the actual meal, uh, I'm going to start you off with wings. Wings is, that's that's the goat. That's the greatest of all time. Buffalo wings. I have a phenomenal buffalo wing uh, recipe that I make myself. I put a dry rub on it, little chipotle, little cayenne, little chili powder, and I bake them. Or you can air fry them too. It doesn't matter. Either way, I've done both. But you, you either air fry them or bake them uh, right up until the point where they would be done. Get them a little crispy, and then you go out and you put them on the grill. About three, four minutes each side, depending on what, you know, what how big the wing is or what kind of wing it is. Get them that extra crispy, but they're still juicy on the inside. And then I make a, I'm not going to call it a homemade sauce because it's all store-bought shit that I put in it. But I take a little bit of Sweet Baby Ray's. Uh, I take a, a little bit of buffalo sauce. I'll squeeze in a, a lime, throw a little hot sauce in there, and uh, a teaspoon of honey. And you mix that up. Oh, and a little bit of melted butter to thicken it up as well. That's the goat of, of game day snacks. Wings are undefeated. Now, after wings, it gets a little dicey. It depends on who you're talking to. It depends on what your palate is. I'm going to go with pizza. It's easy. You can eat it one-handed while you have your beer in the other hand. It's relatively clean. You're not wiping your mouth off constantly every time you take a bite. Uh, you can load up whatever toppings you want. I'm a meat lovers kind of guy, so I like a little Canadian bacon, a little sausage, a little pepperoni, a little ham, which is 
Canadian bacon, but that's for another argument. After pizza, gotta go ribs. Gotta go ribs. Now, I know that takes a little bit longer to cook and prepare, but ribs, to me, ribs, that's my all-time favorite meal ever, is a big old, big old rack of ribs on the, on the smoker with some thick, sweet and spicy barbecue sauce on top of them. You gotta go ribs. Gotta go ribs. After that, uh, number four for me would have to be grilled food, your hot dogs, your burgers, your chicken sandwiches, something along those lines. After four, I mean, you really can't beat a, a great sub sandwich, you know, a homemade sub sandwich on a nice, you know, French loaf of bread. You got your salami, your roast beef, your ham, um, your, your capicola. I mean, that's, that's a great snack. You throw a little bacon on there too. I like to put, I like to put barbecue sauce on my, on my, uh, sub sandwiches. I'm not going to lie to you. Every time I order Jimmy John's, I put barbecue sauce on it. It's delicious. Try it outside of the meal type game day snacks. You got your finger foods. You got your, to me, the number one finger food is chips and dip. Now I make a phenomenal, uh, meat lovers, chili dip. You put in some Velveeta cheese, a couple cans of chili, a little sour cream, and I've got all kinds of spices that go into that. You're talking about cayenne pepper, chili pepper, cumin, um, paprika, uh, all kinds of spicy stuff. A little bit of red pepper flakes in there. Uh, you also put in a, a pound of ground beef and a pound of, of bacon, and you let, that, you let that simmer in the slow cooker for a couple hours, and you start dipping tortilla chips in it. Guaranteed that you will not only not stop eating that, you will gain five pounds by the end of the day. After chips and dip, I mean, you got you to go with uh, something along the lines of mozzarella sticks or cheese curds. Obviously, Wisconsin, we're going to go cheese curds. And now, obviously, I'm not even remotely close to health conscious when it comes to game day snacks. And I don't, I don't believe any American should be. If it's a football Sunday, you need to eat as horribly as possible. So your cheese curds slash mozzarella sticks would be next. Uh, I mean, some of the smaller finger foods like your Cheez-Its, your Doritos, your Pringles, stuff like that got to be up there. But, I mean, what are we talking in terms of beer here? I'm not, I'm not a, a huge beer guy. Uh, I'm either going to go Bush Light or I'm going to go Corona, Corona Bottle. That, to me... Oh, man, I'm, for, I'm forgetting one. I apologize. I'm forgetting one. Swedish meatballs. Come on, guys. Swedish meatballs in the slow cooker. That, to me, blows Andrew Perlov's Saturday game day snack out of the window into the next universe avocado toast. You've got to be kidding me. So I want to hear your ideas, guys. I want, I want you to reply uh, to my tweet. If you follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Rhino, if you follow this on Facebook, uh, give me a give me a shout. What is your number one game day snack or meal? What do you like preparing over anything else? I mean, avocado toast. I hope I never see that tweeted out again. And if any of you tweet avocado toast at me, you're getting blocked. No, I'm totally kidding. But please don't. Now, I wanted to end my show today... Um, talking about something completely off topic, something that's not sports related. And I, I debated on, on whether I, or not I should include this in the show, um, but I'm going to anyways because I believe it is something that is important uh, to say and I believe it's something important to listen to. With sports being something that unifies people more than anything, it seems like, this day, um, I, you know, a lot of people lose track of what the founding fathers had in mind for America and what the the leaders of America 
after the the founding fathers wanted to maintain for this country and that's it's it's one of the things that makes america the greatest country on planet earth there's a reason why tens of thousands of people immigrate to this country daily um that's that's the right to have an opinion and the right to express that opinion i, I believe that is something that um a lot of people have have forgotten about over the last couple of years, I think that's a, uh, something that a lot of people have taken for granted, uh, have even uh, abused over the last couple of years. And it, it seems like today more than ever, you're you're not allowed to express your thoughts. You're not allowed to express your opinions. And I'm not going to get too incredibly political on you guys. I'm not going to take a side. I'm not going to take a stance. Um, I'm not going to alienate anybody who listens to my show. But this, this applies to both sides of the political spectrum and any side or any any party in between the, the two sides of the political spectrum. We, we've got to come to a point in time where we stop harassing, where we stop criticizing, where we stop hating somebody simply because they, they have an opinion. You know, far too many times I've seen somebody who have they've expressed their support for Donald Trump or they've expressed that they may have voted for him or they've, you know, shared positive things that this president has done. And I know that's hard to believe that he could have done anything positive, but I've, I've seen several times where people have, have criticized those, those kinds of comments and those kinds of posts. I've, I've seen friendships ruined over politics. I've seen family members have their relationships ruined because of politics. And that's not what our nation stands for. That's not what our founding fathers wanted for each other. We, one of our, one of our rights is to think, and that's not just a, a political right. That's not just a governmental right. That's your God given right is to think, to have thought, to express that thought. Now, obviously you draw a line when those thoughts become dangerous or uh, extreme, etc., or vastly offensive, because the, the term offensive has is, is really become saturated nowadays. But if there is somebody in your life that has a different opinion than you, if there's somebody in your life that thinks differently, has different views, believes in different things, there's nothing wrong with that. And the reason why I say that is because life is too incredibly short to allow a friend or a family member or a coworker or a neighbor to become a stranger simply because they don't they don't believe in you or with you. Not everybody has to have the exact same mindset that you have. Not everybody has to have the exact same opinion that you have. Otherwise, we're all robots. If every single human being in this country walked around with the same thought, the same opinion, the same emotion, what what would make us special? What would make us different? What would make us stand out? Freedom of expression is what makes our nation stand out over any other nation on planet Earth. Whether it be music, art, film, theater... Why can't we apply that same mindset to politics and policy and social norms? 
if somebody told you they believed in God, you wouldn't say, I hate you because you believe in God. I've lost all respect in you because you believe in God. I don't believe in God. How could you possibly believe in God? If somebody said, oh, you like the Green Bay Packers? I hate you. I can't stand you. I've lost all respect for you because you lost the Green Bay Packers. Oh, you played the saxophone? I hate you. I can't stand you. I can't believe you didn't play the trumpet. Oh, you drive a Chevrolet? I hate you. I can't stand you. I've lost all respect for you. I can't believe you don't drive a Ford. Why Why did? Why did all of those stand out as ridiculous and unacceptable, but saying, I hate you, you're a monster, you're the work, most worthless person on planet Earth because you voted for candidate A. Or you agree with candidate B. Division in this nation is becoming the biggest issue that we have right now, and it's having this kind of mindset that is driving that division. Just keep in mind, life's too short to hate. Life's too short to be alone. Life's too short to push everyone away from you. Be happy that we have the right to have a conversation. Be happy that we have the right to express an opinion or to have the conversation. If you if you want to disagree with somebody, that's fine, but have the conversation. Learn their point of view. Learn their mindset. Learn their opinions. Learn where it's coming from. Everyone's opinion comes from somewhere. Learn it. If it comes from a place of hate and evil, then walk away. If it comes from a place of knowledge and understanding, give them the opportunity. Have that discussion. Have that talk with them. Shake their hand and walk away amicably. I think that's a mindset that has been lost by far too many people. That's going to do it today for the Rhino Albert Show. Thank you for tuning in. You can check me out on, uh, excuse me, on Twitter at Sports Talk Rhino. You can check me out on Facebook. You can check me out on SoundCloud and I believe still iTunes, the Rhino Albert Show. And don't forget, check out Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Facebook and on Twitter at Wisco Sports One. Thanks, guys.